Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, circle of friends, circle of being. Wake up and be healthy, and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit coming at you on your community radio. 91.1 FM, Community Radio for Southern Illinois. My name is Treeson, and I believe we have a guest with us on the line today. Good day, this is Or. Yes, good day. Glad you were able to join us over over the distance through the power of technology. Yeah. Like, so you guys still having a cool spell? Uh, not as much as we were. It's gotten a little hotter. I, I would still point out to people who are concerned about the heat that this is still cooler than a southern Illinois summer usually is. I mean, it is getting up into the 80s and 90s sometimes, but hasn't hit 100 yet that I can recall. <laughs> so, strange weather, but good, pretty decent weather. It was the last Sunset concert last night, so it was pretty good weather for that. But, I mean, overall, the Earth crushed another temperature record. I mean, it's like it was the hottest May in history and followed by the hottest June ever in recorded history. Yeah, we live on a record-breaking planet. And, I mean, well, even scarier than that, it's 352nd consecutive hotter-than-average month, reaching all the way back to February of 1985. Yeah, there are some of our listeners who may not have been alive uh, that long ago. <laughs> so yeah, that's records stretching back that far, the entire lifetime now that we've been having hotter than usual temperatures. It, it's pretty interesting. The National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration's chief of climate monitoring had this quote. We are living in the steroid era of the climate system. So, so literally, heat records in June broke on every continent but Antarctica. So, and the United States had its 33rd hottest June. So. Yeah. Yeah, the United States has actually been pretty hot this summer, too. People in our area may forget that because we've had some cold spells here. But if you look at the maps, there'll be like the, the east, a little pocket in the east that is colder, and then out west and yeah, southwest. I'm saying cold spells. <laughs> is it cold compared to what it was last year, or is it just like average what it has been in the past? That's true. I mean, it's probably closer to average than the weather we had last year, honestly. Because you know, I remember, you know, summers being, you know, humid, but in the 80s. Yeah. But anyway, if you want to uh, see all of the statistics and information of all of how hot it is, um, send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we will send you the news article with all the links to all the different reports. Yeah. And I like the analogy they brought up the whole using steroids analogy again, because I think it's a pretty good one. Like, 
if there's a baseball player who's using steroids, you can't necessarily point to any single home run and say, well, that home run was caused by his steroids. Like, I mean, maybe that one was, maybe that one wasn't, but the overall trend of, you know, hitting hundreds and hundreds of home runs in a season, I mean, that may have had something to do with the steroids. It, it's similar with climate here. Like, sure, one summer, if one summer is hot, you could say, well, it's just a crazy summer. But the streak of over 350, uh, 352 consecutive hotter than average months, I mean, that's no coincidence. That's, that's a pattern. And we've got some good ideas about where that pattern's coming from. All right, let's see. Got some other news here. I've, it's about seismic testing. I haven't seen much about this in the regular media. Well, I shouldn't say regular. The, the mainstream corporate owned media. So I thought it'd be good to talk about this one a little bit. Seismic testing threatens ocean life and climate. In its ongoing effort to make life difficult for environment reporters, <laughs> the Obama administration once again announced major environmental news on a Friday. The Department of Interior decided to allow seismic testing off the southern Atlantic coast from Delaware to Florida. This is a precursor to a possible oil and gas drilling to determine what fossil fuel resources are out there. Green groups and green leaders in Congress attacked the Interior's move. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a top climate hawk, issued a statement saying, quote, It just doesn't seem worth putting our oceans and coasts at risk. The National Resource Defense Council called the decision, quote, a major assault on our ocean. Now, it's not just one issue why people are concerned about this testing. There's four different issues, at least. One is damage to marine life from testing. This testing involves blasting underwater with air guns and creating dramatic sound waves that can travel thousands of miles. So, I mean, it's not just like they're putting a stethoscope up against someone's chest and saying, is your heart beating? <laughs> they're taking these explosions and doing these sound waves that go thousands of miles through the ocean. Like, even if a human being can't hear it, there are other species that can be disturbed by it. Yeah, there are 34 marine mammal species that use sound, nav sound to navigate that could be harmed by this action. And many other animals could be killed because it does involve explosions. So there's also, in addition to the testing itself, there would be damage to marine life, oceans, and coastlines from drilling. If offshore oil and gas drilling does happen, it will cause pollution of the oceans and degradation of fisheries and coastlines. I mean, we remember what happened when we did a lot of drilling off of the uh, the Gulf of Mexico coast. I mean, eventually you get wells that malfunction and leak thousands and thousands of gallons of... Yeah, they got, I bet BP would like us to forget about that, and a lot of people would like that. I've got a good memory, though. So, well, I mean, it's pretty interesting that they have said that they're going to, you know, fight climate change caused by fossil fuels, yet the Obama administration has approved the extraction of more fossil fuels. Yeah. And probably approved, you know, offshore because there's less chance of people opposing it because, you know, it's not in my backyard kind of deal. Yeah. And they may not even see some of the impacts. Like, I mean, number, number point on, point three on this article here is possible disasters, something huge like the spill that happened in the Gulf. But even if it's not huge, there's going to be some leakage out there. And if, if it's away from the voters, they may not realize it until it's too late. 
So yeah, that is part of why. And it doesn't seem to me like an approach to address climate change when you're doing this all of the above strategy that says, we'll keep using as much fossil fuels as we're already using, and we'll also do some solar too, just to be nice, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's nice for getting the solar industry going, but as long as you're still using fossil fuels, it's not going to do any good to stop climate change. Well, I mean, as long as the ferocious appetite for fossil fuels is here, you know, people are going to be unscrupulous about trying to get that and feed that to the public. Yeah. Yeah, because they do make the argument, which is a fair argument, that, well, people want the energy. Yeah, people want lots of energy. So as long as we're demanding all of this energy and we're not working on energy efficiency or energy conservation and we're not doing solar, wind, water, then it's no wonder that they're drilling here and there and everywhere looking for the soil. It's a lot of work to be done in order to transition to less energy use and to cleaner energy use. Now, people are, you know, fighting really hard to block a lot of fossil fuel things in their own backyard. A town in Maine is blocking an Exxon tar sands pipeline. Citizens trying to stop the piping of tar sands oil through their community wore blue, clear sky shirts at a city council meeting in South Portland, Maine this week. They might as well have been wearing boxing gloves. The small city struck a mighty blow against Canadian tar sands extraction. Quote, it's been a long fight said resident Andy Jones after a 6-1 city council vote on Monday to approve the Clear Skies Ordinance, which will block the loading of heavy tar sands onto tankers in the city's port. The measure is intended to stop ExxonMobil. Remember that company. They're the ones that still haven't paid for the oil spill back in 89 in Alaska. Hmm, yeah and partner companies from bringing tar sands oil east through an aging pipeline network to the city's waterfront. Currently, the pipeline transports conventional oil west from Portland to Canada. The companies want to reverse its flow. Now, after an intensely debated year-and-a-half battle, the South Portland City Council on Monday sided with residents like Jones who don't want their city to end up as a new international hub for the exports of tar sands oil. Quote, the message to the tar sands industry is, don't be counting your chickens yet, said Dylan Ford, he's Green Energy Director for the National Resources Council of Maine. There is a pattern of community saying no to the threat of tar sands oil. Yeah, that's like the most polluting oil out there. Yeah, it is. And they, I, I like the mentioning the don't count your chickens before they hatch part because... I mean, a lot of the arguments I've heard people in the U.S. make towards things like the Keystone XL pipeline and uh, other other methods of transporting these fuels is they say, oh, well, they're going to do it anyway. They're going to, you know, get this tar sands oil out some way. But they can't if people keep resisting it, <laughs> you know. If this, if this town doesn't want it and that town doesn't want it and that county doesn't want it, then they're going to be stuck there sitting in a big pit that they dug with all this tar sands and they're not going to be able to take it anywhere. So they, they shouldn't count their chickens before they hatch. If people resist, they're not going to be able to sell this stuff. 
Now, here's an interesting one. I mean, we, we talk a lot on this show about climate change and other related environmental social justice issues. It's hard to know exactly, you know, exactly how to raise awareness about these issues. Because we often present information that you may have heard before, but how do you get people to do something about it? Here's an yeah, interesting... <laughs> Lays out all the reasons why people want to ignore climate change. Um, besides the obvious, you know, it's bigger than you know the whole world. I can't do anything about it, little old me. But I mean, fully half of Americans choose to ignore the fact that it is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I often think of doing is going back to to school to learn about studying and teaching environmental communication, you know. How do we communicate about these issues in a way that people can hear? Because it's, it's all well and good if you have the right science, but if people don't listen to you or believe you, then it's not really helping that much. Well, I mean, we have the right science. 97% of scientists say climate change is real, we're causing it. Yeah. But only 50% of Americans believe them. Yeah. So how do we work on that gap? <laughs> now, Here's one idea. It's I like this idea because I like games, and it's an idea involving games. Climate change VR games, virtual reality games, make you a better person by making you kill trees and coral. <laughs> that sounds a little counterintuitive, but hear us out for a minute here. Despite our best efforts to convince people of the dangers of climate change, fully half of Americans still choose to ignore the 97% of scientists who say it's real. Well... Here's this mind-boggling study out of Stanford University's Virtual Human Interaction Lab. That sounds like a crazy lab to hang around. <laughs> so this study shows how virtual stimulation might be the thing to do the trick. Armed with the Oculus VR headset, one of the lab's games guides the participants on a walk through the forest. And then things get a little weird. In a minute, they, they hand a joystick to... The woman who's doing this, and it looks and vibrates like a chainsaw. And she's asked to cut down a tree. As she completes the task, she feels the same sort of resistance that she might feel if she were cutting down a real tree. When she leaves this forest and re-enters the real world, quote-unquote, her paper consumption will drop by 20%, and she will show a measurable preference for recycled paper products. Those efforts will continue into the next few weeks, and researchers hypothesize it'll be a fairly permanent shift. By comparison, students who watch a video about deforestation or read an article on the subject will show heightened awareness of paper waste maybe through the day, you know, that day, that week, that sort of thing. But then they'll return to their baseline behavior at the end of the week. Well, that's pretty interesting because most video games are about destruction. Yeah. People go in there expecting to do destruction. Yeah, and they sometimes so think do... someone would be like, yes. <laughs> down a tree. Whoa. Yeah. I could have seen it backfiring and people being like, oh yeah, we'll burn all the paper. You know, this is fun cutting down trees. But one one thing that these, especially something with like virtual reality where you've got these goggles on and looks like it's real. I mean, one thing it helps you realize is the realities of a situation. If someone tells you a number like, oh, you know, there's a million trees that are going to be cut down. You may just be like, oh, wh whatever. That's kind of sad, but that's no big deal. But then if you have this experience of I'm looking at this 
beautiful tree and I'm taking a chainsaw to well, it. And think about it though, probably video games are the same way. If people play video games, they're not going to kill people. Yeah. That I've seen studies that say that if people, you know, get out their aggression in video games, then they're not going to do it in real life. That yeah. Exactly opposite of what you know some people think, but that's what the studies show. Yeah. Yeah, and so the other part of this study was more directly related to climate change. It was about the coral reef. They had a coral reef game where they make the participant actually become a piece of coral. <laughs> Doesn't sound like too exciting at first, but the participants plopped in the middle of a beautiful, serene sea. Then ocean acidification sets in, and all of her new aquatic friends begin to die off until even the piece of coral that she's come to embody begins to fade. So it's like, you know, this game, you're playing this piece of coral, there are all these fish swimming around you, and then suddenly you see all the fish die, and you start getting bleached out, and you die. It makes people realize the reality of the danger that coral reefs are in. Because, you know, I can, I, I'm, I'll say this, I'm not really a swimmer, I haven't really been to the coral reefs, so it is to me largely just a concept, but if you see it, when you look at the pictures, you get immersed in the reality, you realize there's this precious ecological system here that is alive, that is dying because of our actions. So virtual reality apparently helps drive that home. So does that mean this game is going to come out and play it? <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, maybe that's the next step. I mean, they're just scientists doing a study, but activists could take the game and release it as a as a game on popular platforms. Reading this from a hospital bed, you probably got a, a lot, got a lot to feel crummy about. Sometimes it feels like hospitals are actually trying to add insult to injury by what they serve up at mealtime. But there's good news spreading through hospital corridors across America. The promise of a meal that's actually palatable and good for you and for the environment. The Associated Press reports that, quote, a growing network of companies and organizations is delivering food directly from local farms to major institutions like Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in downtown Philadelphia, eliminating scores of middlemen from farm to fork, unquote. Also from the Associated Press, major institutes like Jefferson have long relied on whatever giant food service companies provide, but with the steady supply of local grown food from the common market food hub, Jefferson now serves vegetables like bok choy and asparagus, creamy yogurts from Amish country, and omelets from locally sourced cage-free eggs and spinach. The model is really simple. Common Market, a nonprofit, picks up food from 75 regional farmers and small food companies and quickly turns it around in its Philadelphia warehouse. Um, just to, from my point of view, it doesn't sound simple. Pick up food from 75 different places. But um, yeah. the food, everything from vegetables to turkey to tofu, is then sent to 220 city customers, along with detailed information about where it's grown or produced. There are about 300 other similar food hubs around the country. 
St. Luke's University Hospital Network is taking that a step further by growing vegetables on site at its new facility in Bethlehem Township, Pennsylvania. This year, the five-acre plot is expected to grow 44,000 pounds of organic food like tomatoes, squash, and peppers. St. Luke's actually plans to eventually double the size of the farm. Eating produce is very beneficial for patients. St. Louis Community Health Medical Director Bonnie Colo told Lehigh Valley Live, Who would have thought? Health benefits aside, institutes like hospitals are perfectly poised to give the Food Network the kick it needs by making local foods available on a larger scale. Yeah. I was actually just reading um, about a food hub that's, where was it, Central Illinois? Bloomington, wasn't it? That they're looking for people to buy into shares for a food hub. Um, basically, like, create a market, and they're, you know, partnering with all the farmers in the area, and again, buy things within, like, 75 miles. Yeah. And I just remember seeing an email going around for people in that area looking to become members and or buy into the food market co-op so yeah well, local's really taking off it's a good thing to see good for people and for reducing greenhouse gas emissions so yeah we're almost running out of time we should get to some of these holidays and happenings let's see Friday is culinarians day I guess that's a day for people who like food culinary arts Saturday is All or Nothing Day and Aunt and Uncle Day. Hmm. Oh, and Sunday is Parents' Day. I guess, you know, they've got Mother's Day, Father's Day. This one is Parents' Day. It's also Take Your Pants for a Walk Day. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Oh, Monday is National Milk Chocolate Day. Firstly, I prefer dark chocolate. Tuesday is National Lasagna Day. and Wednesday is National Cheesecake Day. And it doesn't say then... Later on, national. Well, good thing you took a walk. <laughs> you have milk, lasagna, and cheesecake. Yeah. Got a lot of exercise to do there. <laughs> All right, and it's Father-in-Law Day on Wednesday, and Thursday is Mutt's Day. Hmm. All right. In Happenings, Peace Walk for Gaza today, 2 to 5 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion. There will be a Peace Walk the humanitarian awareness and medical aid for the children and women of Gaza, Palestine. We request and appreciate your support. Please join in the humanitarian cause this Friday, 2 to 5 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion. People will be walking around with posters. Yeah, it's good to see people gathering out there to, to call for peace. I'm Planning on going to that myself, too. All right, let's see what other events we've got coming up. We've got Movie and Pizza Party. That is coming up over at Guy House Interfaith Center, sponsored by the Guy House RSO. It's coming up tonight at 7 p.m. at Guy House. The Movie and Pizza Party happens every fourth Friday of the month. This month's feature film is The Book Thief. Now, I haven't read the book yet, but I've heard really good things about it. It's, it sounds like a really compelling story. 
And now we get to watch the movie version. So there's going to be movies, pizza, popcorn, and more. Um, people who plan on coming can RSVP at the event on Facebook. I mean, it's starting to get a little late for that, but you can show up if you're just hearing about it now. <laughs> and that's coming up tonight, 7 p.m., Guy House Interfaith Center. Saturdays, the Carbondale Community Farmers Market from 9 until noon at the Carbondale Community High School. The Carbon Let's see, can you hear us still? Or? I think we may be losing you for a minute here. Yeah, let's see. I think I'm not hearing Orr, so I think we've lost Orr. Just right at the end of the broadcast, too. He almost made it through the whole thing. I don't know if he can hear us, but we can't hear him anymore. But yeah, so let's continue with that. He was saying Carbondale Community Farmers Market this Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon at Carbondale Community High School. They've got all sorts of goodies out there, food, other other goodies. We were just talking about local foods, and right there, it's a great spot to check them out, live and in person. All right, we also have coming up, I believe we mentioned this one last week, but now it's coming up on this coming Tuesday. This film is called Bully. It is coming up on Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And, uh, yeah, so that's coming up from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Tuesday at the Women's Center. So this is part of a series of films they've been doing. This is the third and final in the July series. Each event features the showing of a film followed by discussion. And let's see. So teens are welcome. The films are rated PG. All events are free and open to the public. So this film coming up on Tuesday is called Bully. It's a beautifully cinematic, character-driven documentary. At its heart are those with huge stakes in this issue, whose stories each represent a different facet of America's bullying crisis. They filmed it over the course of the 2009 to 2010 school year, and it opens a window onto the pained and often endangered lives of bullied kids. It also is revealing a problem that transcends geographic, racial, ethnic, and economic borders. Now, I mean, I will point out that depending on some of those intersectionalities, you may get bullied more, but, you know, bullying is such a serious, widespread problem that it's good to see this discussion going on about it. Once again, that's Tuesday, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. over at the Women's Center. Film showing about bullying. And it looks like the clock on the wall is telling me that that's all the time we have this week for your community spirit. We were able to get or in for about 95, 96% of the broadcast this time. Glad we were able to have him on the air. And we're glad we were able to have you as a listener. If you have any happenings to send our way, you can send them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. You can also check out more about WDBX on their website, wdbx.org. In the meantime, it's a pretty nice day out. We are getting a little bit of that summer heat back in, but it's still not <laughs> quite the same heat crisis that we could be in. So it's good to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, my name is Treesong. I'll be here again next week on Your Community Spirit. We hope you have a good week, and we will see you again next week on the radio.